Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our daily reading of scripture and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Monday, April 24th, 2023. It is the Monday of the third week of Easter. Today's gospel reading is from St. John. It's a continuation of chapter six. After Jesus had fed the 5,000 men, his disciples saw him walking on the sea. The next day, the crowd that remained across the sea saw that there had only been one boat there, and that Jesus had not gone along with his disciples in the boat, but only his disciples had left. Other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they had eaten the bread when the Lord gave thanks. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them, Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking I'm sorry, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For in him the Father God has set his seal. So they said to him, What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. So we are continuing with John chapter 6, which is referred to as the Bread of Life Discourse. Jesus, in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, gives us a, well, we are given by those evangelists, an account of the Last Supper that shows Jesus offering up his body and his blood at the Last Supper. It's part of the Passover, but Jesus is giving them a new Passover, a new prayer. It's very much connected with what's about to happen the next day, and that is his uh, crucifixion, his death. St. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, also gives an account of the Last Supper. In St. John's account of the Last Supper, there is a focus on the washing of the feet. He doesn't focus on Jesus giving his body and his blood in Holy Communion. But in John's Gospel, there is the sixth chapter, which we're in the middle of right now, where Jesus says, work for the food that does not perish. Jesus is starting to tell them about how he's going to give them his body to eat and his blood to drink. We refer to this as the Eucharist. Uh, some people will say this is just symbolic. However, the reading itself shows that Jesus, first of all, says, Amen, amen, I say to you, when he's teaching about this, which is a, a saying not used in any other literature. It's a saying in particular, particularly found with Jesus. And Jesus says this whenever he's about to say something that is literal, where he says, no, pay attention to what I'm saying. This is what I mean. And then Jesus uses stronger words as he goes, as the people start to doubt him, as the people start to leave him. He lets them go, but he says, make no mistake about it. If we were to read St. John in Greek, Initially, he says, you must consume my person, and the word for body is soma, person, body, etc. You must consume my person. You must consume my body. 
But when Jesus gives them the clarification, he uses a word that means chew on. You must literally put in your mouth, chew on my suke, which means flesh, actual flesh, bodily, physical flesh. So Jesus is saying, no, I'm giving you similar to what Moses gave in the desert. We're going to see that quote tomorrow, the manna in the desert that they received. This is similar, but that was just a foreshadowing. That was a symbol of what God ultimately wants to give his people. And that is his own flesh to eat his body in the Eucharist. So he says, amen, amen. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh, chew on the suke of the son of man, you have no life within you. He says, this is necessary for eternal life. Just as he said, baptism was necessary for eternal life. And of course, to follow him and to obey him and to strive to be close to him and strive for perfection. So in the Bread of Life discourse, as we read this, I like to talk about the Eucharist and talk about the Mass. Usually this gospel is read in five parts. We're on part three. I had given the biblical roots of the Mass as well as a brief, very brief history of the Mass. And I always like to talk about the Eucharist, honestly. There's so many stories that people have of personal conversion when praying in adoration. And there are so many stories of Eucharistic miracles, even in my own life, which I like to, I would like over time to continue to talk about and perhaps get into these this five-part series. But I wanted to title today's talk, and it's very brief, uh, Why the Mass is the Most Important Thing in the Whole World. <laughs> uh, and really, that title is meant to get your attention. What the title, if, if we were to just make it more concise, I would call it, well, What is the Mass? Because we're going to get into how to pray the Mass, and these are some of the most important things you're ever going to hear in your life. Because Jesus gave us the Mass for our salvation. And what is the Mass? The Mass is Calvary, represented, made present for us right before our eyes, so that we can participate in it, so that we can receive from it. It takes the sacrifice of Jesus at Calvary and makes it present in the here and now, everywhere and at every time all over the world from the point of from that point of time in which Jesus offered himself on the cross 2000 years ago until the very last day until the end of time padre pio said the world could survive longer without the sun than it could without the mass people might say oh well how's that possible since the mass didn't exist until the time of Jesus well the graces that the world received were in anticipation of Jesus's cross his death his resurrection And the Mass makes all of this present. So the Mass is the most important thing on earth. Going to Mass, participating in it, is the most important thing we could ever do with our time. It's even more important than regular prayer. Because this is liturgical prayer, the prayer of the church, that makes it better than just the regular, the, the, you know, the individualized prayers that we do on our own, or, or perhaps even informal prayers we do with others. It's the liturgy, right? But it's also, it's the highest of all liturgies. It's the most important of all liturgies, the most important of all prayers. Because, ready for this? I had said before in a previous sermon, why did Jesus come to earth? Jesus came to pray. You know, we could say, well, Jesus came to die on the cross. That's true. Jesus came to save us. That's true. But Another way to sum up our salvation in one sentence is Jesus came to pray. And I've given these sermons before where I've talked about 
how Jesus's prayer life is really at the very essence of his mission. It's at the center of his mission. We think of it as, oh, isn't it good Jesus does all these great things? Oh, and it's nice he takes a little time for himself. Well, no, see, the time he's taking for himself where he goes out into the desert, that's the most important thing because that's where he takes our fallen, broken humanity and through prayer connects it to the Father. He connects in his humanity with the Father in order to create that bridge between heaven and earth. And his prayer life culminates in his offering of himself on the cross, his sacrifice to the Father on the cross. So Jesus, see, prayer is what we say. It's also what we think, but it's also what we do. And all these things comprise prayer, as we are going to see. And I'm no liturgical expert. I love the liturgy. (laughs) I've been involved in the Mass in one way or another every single day since I was about 16 years old. Uh, Yet, you know, we... uh, I have so much to learn, too, and we have so far to go uh, in terms of how to pray the Mass, how to understand the Mass. But the Mass is the present, the making present of the crucifixion, making present of the Paschal mystery. So it is Jesus' prayer to his Father. It's the ultimate prayer, saying, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. He's, he's referring to those who crucified him, but he's referring to every single one of us. That That sums up. What he's doing there, the the things he says from the cross sum up everything. My God, why have you forsaken me? He's speaking on behalf of the human race. I mean, it's true. He's quoting Psalm 22. He's speaking about his own disposition that he's taken on all our sins. So he feels separation from the father. Imagine how painful that is to be the son of God and to feel separation from God, the father. We experience separation from God all the time because of our sins, and we've become callous to it. Jesus is 100% sensitive to it. He's pure without sin, and once again, his whole mission is to connect to the Father and to connect us to the Father. So he feels our pain because of our sins. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. We We really don't get it. He's trying to help us to get it, and he's paying the price for us. And all the other things he says, they're all part of it. This day you will be with me in paradise. That's why he's doing it. It is consummated, the marriage between heaven and earth, by the death of Jesus. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Once again, that's the prayer of Jesus. I thirst. He's talking about drawing us up into this sacrifice, being given to the Father for the salvation of the world. And then Mary is so much a part of it. So at every Mass, Mary's going to be there, kneeling side by side with us at the foot of the cross, and she's offering her son too. Not in the same way that God makes the offering, but still Mary's an essential part of it. Mary's interceding for all of us. Mary's experiencing pain for the sake of our salvation. It's, it's She's our spiritual mother praying for us, and those are her birth pangs in order to give birth spiritually to each one of us. She's consenting to this. She's experiencing it with her son, even though it's true. She's not the Savior. He is. We have one Savior, Jesus. But she participates in the crucifixion and the Paschal mystery in a unique way. 
And we're very grateful to her for that. Just as any good mother would do, they want to give everything to their children as best as they possibly can. And here she is suffering and praying along with her son for our salvation. So everything I've just said leads us to this point that mass is prayer. And we have a problem in the church today. I know the other two days, two sermons ago, I got really fired up, and I think only one person listened to the sermon. It went kind of long, but I got fired up talking about how frustrated I am because Mass is prayer. People don't pray. People don't go to Mass, and then people wonder why everything is falling apart. Well, this is what Jesus gave us to keep everything together, to bring everything together. This is what Jesus gave us for our salvation. The Mass connects us to the crucifixion so that we can receive the fruits of it. The number one fruit being the Eucharist, the fruit of the tree of life, which is now the cross. The Eucharist connects us to the cross. We're receiving the fruit of it. And simply attending Mass is being present with Our Lady and the other disciples that went to the cross at the foot of the cross. The Mass is prayer. It's the prayer of Jesus to his Father, And we are privileged to take part in that prayer, to be present for that prayer, and to throw our hearts into it, our whole hearts and souls. And so as we get into the next couple of days, how to pray the Mass, we have to get this concept. And, and, uh, you know, the Novus Ordo Mass, the new Mass since 1970, around that time, it's valid. What do, what do we, and a lot of people don't even know what that means. What does it mean that we have a valid mass? It means we consecrated the bread into the body of Christ. The priest consecrated the wine into the blood of Christ. He offers it to the Father for the salvation of the world, and in a particular way for everyone present. And then he receives it. There's a communion that takes place. And the only communion that's necessary is the priest's communion. None of the lay people have to receive communion for the Mass to be valid. But the priest receives, so there is this binding, this this bonding going on between heaven and earth, this connection. The priest stands in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. So the consecration and the offering. So a lot of people think the Mass is a lot of other things. They think it's a show. See, with the Novus Ordo Mass since 1970, we turned the priest around, and now I really, people were starting to observe more and more. They thought that it was too clerical for the priest to be turned the other way. Oh, he thinks he's better than us. He turns his back to us. Well, in reality, back then, he was turned the same way with everybody. It was less clerical. Now the priest turns around, meaning He's presiding over you and me. He's presiding. He's above us. And he's got to be our entertainer now. He's got to say the right things and smile the right way. Or else people say, oh, I'm not going to that one because I don't like the way he did this and he said that. The Novus Ordo Mass has completely changed the way we look at this. I mean, if somebody were to say, a priest were to say, I'm going to lead the rosary, what would we do? Does he need to have a big personality for that? No. He would go in and kneel down before the statue of Mary. We would all kneel down behind him and he would lead the prayers and we would respond. We would pray the rosary and we're focused on Mary. We're focused on Jesus. But with this new mass, the priest turns around and suddenly now we're complaining that he wasn't interesting enough. He's got to entertain me. 
He's got to keep my attention. He went too short. He went too long. And so we forget. And there's all these other little things, all the options. And then everybody wants to argue with each other and with the priest. Oh, he should do it this way. He should do it that way. We want this. We want more of this. We want less of that. We want better sermons. Somebody said to me the other day, they don't go to a certain priest anymore because he talks about the rosary and Mary too much. Well, that's part of our Catholic faith. What's the problem? That would be a conservative thing. And this person was saying, well, it's not conservative enough for me. I want to hear the priest talk about politics more and and bash the certain political party that I don't like. Well, what the heck? <laughs> How about we go to mass and pray? How about if we want better sermons? Okay, you know, sometimes you pick a priest that you like, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're not getting fed from the sermons that you're hearing, uh, for whatever reason, maybe the priest is in a hurry. Maybe it's a pastor that's got a million other things to do. He doesn't spend as much time on his sermons. Well, then go online and listen to sermons or read spiritual books. Go on YouTube. There's all kinds of great speakers on the Catholic faith. Turn on EWTN. Start reading publications like the National Catholic Register. I don't know. There's so many different examples I could give of, uh, you know, ways we can feed ourselves uh, with our faith and, and to learn more about our faith. Just reading the Bible, plain and simple, reading it more, getting deeper into it on our own and meditating on it so that we don't need as much someone to else to tell us what it means and what it's all about. Do some Bible commentaries. How about a little Scott Hahn in the car while we're driving, you know, talking to us about the different books of the Bible and explaining everything. That's how I've learned so much myself listening to tapes and things like that, in addition to taking classes. So once again, mass is a prayer. It is a prayer. We go to church to pray. The priest doesn't have to have a big personality. The priest, who knows how, what he's doing in his own personal life, and it's really none of our business. Who knows? You know, it's the mass is still valid regardless of that. We want him to be a holy priest, And the holier he is, the better chance he has of leading us to be holy ourselves. But it's not all necessary. What is necessary is that we go and we pray. So there's great spiritual authors over the decades, over the centuries that have taught us about praying the Mass. And I just want to mention a couple things very quickly. Romano Gardini is one that I've read that I feel his books are very inspiring about how to pray the Mass better. Of course, there's other great spiritual writers. St. Francis de Sales is one of my favorites. I love St. Louis de Montfort, and he has a particular focus on Mary. Um, Some of these authors have mentioned certain phrases that really help me to get my mind in the right place when it comes to the Mass. One is the expression, um, loving attentiveness. This is how we pray the Mass. We become attentive to the fact that we are present at the crucifixion. We are loving Jesus, especially as he's held up by the priest, especially as he's being offered to the Father and as he's being given to us in communion. Loving attentiveness. Another expression that I've heard over time is active passivity. People hear, you know, active participation in the mass and they think that means they got to get up and run around the room and be involved in some way in some physical activity that takes their attention off of the prayers. 
When in reality, yes, it's true. There are some people that need to do some physical things like take the collection or help with communion or do a reading. But the reality is God is doing something in the mass. Jesus is offering himself to the father and active passivity means I'm going to actively place myself before the Lord in order to receive In other words, Mass is not about us being Marthas. It's about us being Marys. Martha was the one serving Jesus, all concerned with work and activity. Well, guess what? When we leave the church and we go out into the world, we're all supposed to be Marthas. We're supposed to be active in serving one another, being active in our community and with the people around us, being men and women of charity. But when we're in the church attending the Mass, we're supposed to be like Mary, her sister, who sat at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better part. That's what we're called to be, active passivity, actively listening, actively soaking it in, being with Jesus in our hearts at the cross and imagining ourselves at his feet when we hear scripture, when we hear the sermon. We're supposed to be praying before Mass. It's been said one of the best ways to prepare for Mass is to pray the rosary. Mary prepares us for Jesus. This is her role. It's what she did in in the world when she was here on earth and Jesus was here on earth. Even in the show The Chosen, you know, that I think does a pretty good job of depicting uh, the day-to-day life of Jesus and the apostles, well, Mary's there and she's helping the apostles. She's praying for them. She's encouraging them. She's trying to give them a little advice here and there. Yeah, that's what she does. So Mary can help us to prepare our hearts to hear the word and receive the Eucharist. So this is what it is. It's prayer and aftermath. It's meant to be prayer as well. Uh, we're meant to say a time of thanks, have a time of thanksgiving, pray, say prayers of thanksgiving, thanking the Lord for the Eucharist. One more thing as a general statement, and I'll end here because I want to get more specific as we go the next couple days, but the highlight of the Mass is not the consecration. It's rather right after the consecration, when the body and blood of Jesus are offered to the Father. That's what the crucifixion was all about. Jesus offered his body and blood to the Father to take away our sins. So that's the essence of the mass right there. We offer the body and blood of Jesus to the father. So I want to say two things about that. One is when we, the the, the most important time, I mean, there's a lot of important times in the mass for us to be attentive, such as after we receive communion. I'll talk more about that. But the highlight of the mass is the offering of Jesus to the father. It comes right after the consecration. And I've been told that When the priest is offering Jesus to the Father, we should take all that we've got and spiritually put it on that patent with the host to be offered to the Father. That's the best way for our prayers to get to heaven, to go with Jesus as he's being offered. So in other words, all of our bad points, all of our sins, put them on the patent. All of our defects, Our families, our friends, our work, the people we pray for, the things we pray for, our country, our world, the intention of peace, freedom from the culture of death, put all those things on the patent, the people that we love and our very selves, 
put it all on the patent. Another thing is Sister Faustina in the Divine Mercy Diary. She was asked at one point, how do you pray the Mass? What's the best way? And she said, because the Mass is the offering of Jesus to the Father, specifically his sacrifice on the cross, that we should have a constant attitude in our hearts and in our minds throughout the Mass of offering up, as she says, offer his blood and his wounds to the Father. This pleases the Father more than anything, and it drives away the devil more than anything. The devil cannot stand the wounds of Christ and his blood that conquers him, just like the blood of the uh, the lamb was put on the doorpost in the book of Exodus to keep away the angel of death. Well, this is what Jesus' blood does for us, and that's made present for us at every Mass. It's offered for us at every Mass, and we have that opportunity in attending Mass, praying the Mass, to continuously offer the blood and the wounds. And then if you follow that Divine Mercy devotion, um, it's really about offering the blood and the wounds of Jesus all the time in union with masses that are being said, just to keep offering Jesus to the Father, because that's where that's how our prayers get to heaven. They, they go with Jesus. Without that sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, we got nothing. <laughs> There's no grace. There's nothing for us. So, but with Jesus and with our ability to connect with him, especially through the mass, then our prayers get heard. And then we can be more and more sanctified and purified by these things. So I do want to get more specific as we go, but I'm going to close it there for now. I hope everybody has a great day and let's pray for each other. God bless.